Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. We're on a mission to explore beyond comfort zones, and we're really starting to make waves. Ready to take the first step outside of your comfort zone? Dive into SirenSoapbox.com, where you'll find links to our blog, magazine, YouTube channel, and movie club. So many ways to explore. Pick one today and experience life outside your comfort zone. Think for a few seconds of some fond moments from your childhood. What are you feeling? Seeing. What are you experiencing? Was it exciting and vivid? What about now as an adult, when you think about your day-to-day? Is it dull? Maybe kind of a blur? Dare I say gray in color? Some days, I wish I could go back to my prime. Not to change anything, but to have more time. To feel things twice would sure be nice, if only for a little while. Thomas J. Penniston. Many of us can relate to that beautiful quote by the author of a book, A Time for Color, a book about joy. The book is written for children and it is also a profound and meaningful reminder for adults that it's never too late to retrieve the color that has been lost in your life and find your joy again. The Sirens read the book and are making a video to post on social media about what brings them joy. And that's what we're gonna get on our soapboxes to discuss tonight. But first, if at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is? Mango. First up on our soapbox is Mer. I love any excuse to think about things I'm grateful for. And this book did a good job of not only reminding me to be thankful for everything I have, but also reminding me to choose joy. We spend so much time going through the hustle and bustle of life that sometimes we forget to do the things that bring us joy. I once had a therapist who told me you can't spend all of your time cleaning the stables. Sometimes you have to ride the horse. A Time for Color, a book about joy, teaches that same lesson. I loved how the book takes you from being a carefree kid to being an adult with too many responsibilities and then ties growing up into losing our colors, which I think are metaphors for joy. They clearly are. The reader is reminded that joy is all around us. We just have to be willing to see it. And my joy is in being with my family and friends. I also find joy in working towards my goal of becoming a voice actor. I'm thankful to have this podcast in my weekly schedule because doing this work, sharing our experiences and interviewing authors like Thomas Penniston also brings me joy. Sarah, has there ever been a time where you think you lost your colors? Well, I had never thought of the busy or sad times in my life as being times when I lost my colors. But now that I've read Thomas's book, I can see those times more clearly. This book gives its readers a very concrete way to see what it looks like to not feel the joy in life. And I love that it's a children's book, but it's still totally relevant for the adult reader. In fact, that's part of its appeal for me. I think as an adult, it's easy to feel like you shouldn't be taking the time to find your own joy when trying to manage a job, bills, kids, and maintaining a home. A Time for Color really lets you see vividly how important your own joy is. 
you can actually see the colors on the pages dimming. And it's kind of crazy how that can be exactly how it feels to lose joy. It's a dimming of everything around you. Now, while I can look back and see those times in my past, what I love the most is that I can also see how bright my colors are now and have been for a long time. I'm lucky to be spending a life with my best friend and the love of my life. So there's that, of course. But I don't know that I've spent much time really exploring what it is that makes me so happy or what it is that brings me joy. So I love that reading this book has allowed me to spend some time thinking about what brings me joy. Here are a few of the things I've thought about. Planning and going on new adventures with Bill, marrying Bill over and over, connecting with my fellow sirens regularly, reading a good book, snuggling up and falling asleep with Bill, talking to our kids about anything and everything, hugs from our kids, being Mama Murray to Bill's kids, being Nana Sara to our adorable grandson, uh, that first sip of a nice cold glass of wine, and drinking the tea or coffee that Bill makes for me every morning, and even cooking a yummy dinner. The truth is, I could probably keep listing things, and, and that's bringing me joy just as I talk about it, really. Even though I know I'm happy, I think that reading this book and getting prepared to talk about it here has really made me so grateful for all that I have in my life. <clears throat> and I once again can't thank Siren Soapbox enough for bringing me on this journey. Excuse me. <clears throat> Jess, what did you think about this book? Well, I thought this book is so cute. The illustrations have impact with all the primary colors being black and white. So you really focus in on the color figures. I love how it's a reminder to children to hold on to their joy, but also to adults to remember theirs while finding joy in the simple everyday things. Our challenge for this week was to make a video about what brings us joy, and it was so much fun to stop and think about. I really had some stressful things going on lately, so the challenge made me think about how truly lucky I am to have so much joy in my life and also to live somewhere that brings me joy, even when I'm stuck in traffic. Earlier this morning, I looked out my window at work to see a beautiful double rainbow, and it made me stop to take just another second to remember my colors, even on a Monday. Some things that bring me joy are just exploring the island, and every Monday, meeting with my beautiful sirens and meeting people from all over the world that we interview, such as Thomas, who made me stop and think about my joy. So thank you for that. Mm. Elsie, how did you like the book? I love the book because the book was like a time machine catapulting me right back to my youth. There is something so nostalgic about the artwork. I can't quite place what the style reminds me of. Almost like the giving tree with color or like some of the little golden books that I can't remember the titles of right now. I was grateful that it kind of had that 70s style to it because it made me reflect on my youth and what it was like when everything was new, exciting, full of co color and hopeful. That part was nice. I did feel sad though when I thought about the times when life lost color, when I was so focused on all the busy adulting things, the times when I was working 60 plus hours a week with barely time to do anything relaxing or just stop and smell the roses. All I, I had all the things that I thought we were supposed to have as adults, but why wasn't I happy? I had also become too busy to deal with hard relationships and end, ending up cutting out those difficult people from my life. The past three years, I feel that life has started to gain its color back. I attribute a lot of my joy returning to taking time to have a more active role in my faith journey. 
This has given me the courage to say no to the things that were not making me happy and yes to following my true passions of photography, painting, and podcasting. And I just realized that's a lot of peace. <laughs> I even mended some of those relationships I had gotten rid of. I've started to slow down and be mindful of the present, to stop and take a look around. What am I seeing or feeling? Squeezing my son extra tight or giving my dogs a few more pets, extra kisses to my husband, and letting my niece and nephews play with the little trinkets around my house that I would have been too OCD to let them play with in the past. I'm still a work in progress, and sometimes I feel the old habit slipping back, trying to steal my color, but this book was a very nice reminder to let go of the past hurts or regrets and choose to let the joy in. TC, what did you like about the book? There's just something nice about reading a book that has few words with lots of meaning, especially a book about joy and happiness. I love that this author, Thomas Penniston, took the time to write about something that just about everyone can relate to, getting super busy with everyday life and forgetting to look for the color and joy in the everyday things. I really do think this is one of the secrets to living a full and happy life. I mean, life can be busy. We can't wait for special moments to appreciate or perfect situations to enjoy. The person who can find something to enjoy in each moment, in every situation, is the lucky person and the happy person. It's always nice to have a reminder to remember your joy. I love the challenge of finding joy in the day-to-day. Joy is very important to me, and I take it very seriously. But I can definitely relate to losing the color. It recently happened, and I'm so grateful I had the courage and support to make the changes I needed to make in my life at the time. I consider myself the keeper or guardian of my joy, and I believe that my own mindset is the most important key. Thomas J. Pennison is the author and illustrator of the book, A Time for Color, and Landa Pennison is the editor. Thomas has always had a passion for writing, and he believes a good story is one that sends a positive message and evokes emotion and reflection. He hopes his readers will relate to the story and recognize the importance of feeling gratitude, joy, and living in the present. Thomas attended the Metropolitan School of Art where he studied the classics. While he has always had a passion for writing, it seemed he never had the time. He's finally pursuing what he loves and his family is very supportive. His wife, Landa, in particular, has been instrumental in his editing and publishing process. The book we read is dedicated to his sister, Chrissy, who has a huge influence in the book and was an inspiration to him. She taught him to always remember your joy, no matter what your circumstances may be. Thomas describes that she always seemed to present a joyful, positive attitude all the way up to the end. A kid at heart, when he isn't busy writing, Thomas and Landa enjoy hiking, camping, snowmobiling, ATVing, and bicycle riding. They have two daughters, one son, and two granddaughters, and they live in Potville, Wisconsin, with their two Boston Terriers, Gertrude and Winston. Thomas's dad's philosophy, one which he has adopted himself, is always try to have something to look forward to each day. I know the sirens are looking forward to getting to know Thomas and Landa Penniston a little better. Sirens, please help me welcome Thomas and Landa Penniston to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I just want to just say I'm very flattered by your responses. That means a lot to me. and, And thank you for saying such kind stuff. Yeah, thank you for sharing your words with us. 
Thomas, I understand that for many years you didn't make time to follow your passion of writing and illustrating, and I'm curious what changed that for you. Um, a lot of people have asked with the book, you know, how long did it take you to write? And, you know, it took me about eight months to do the story and do the illustrations um, on and off, but it was probably like 50 years in the making. And I think I think it was at the point in time where I just had a lot of stuff I wanted to get out and possibly help people in the process. Um, you know, I, I think everybody goes through ups and downs and, and has very struggling times, maybe even struggling years. And it was very therapeutic to write it. And I thought this was a good time to um, put something on paper and get it out and in and, uh, and, and the process, possibly help other people with it. So how did you dive into becoming an author? Um, <laughs> I just kind of took a chance and I thought, you know what, this, I've got a lot of just ideas and I thought, I just, I just want to start putting stuff down on paper and just see where it goes, you know? Um, it's fun. It's challenging and, and it's exciting and it gives you something to look forward to. And when he first wrote uh, a time for color and we shared it with our parents to start out with, and they had tears and, and tears of joy um, and then we started sharing it with others and noticing the same things happening. Uh, we both were like, we knew we had something here. You know, we needed to share this. It was important. And he's on the right path if we can do this for other people. And Siren LC, you, you were taught, you had mentioned uh, that it has kind of a 70s feel to it and the illustrations. And I was really trying to go after an old time illustration um, try to put just a lot of really kind of vintagey features in it to kind of just capture another time and, and place. And uh, that's, I, I did the media with charcoals and then just color pencil. And, and uh, that's, I, I wanted it to be real basic, but really send a good message. Um, just try to, uh, try to, uh, what's the word here? Uh, not overdo it, but just uh, have the good positive message that everybody could focus on and some 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 pretty content to look at, but but really walk away uh, with a, a good positive message inside. You really did a good job capturing that feel. I feel like if, you know, if I was reading this to my son, then it would, the book would keep me interested To I mean, it did keep me interested, but it somebody coming into this new, you know, they're going to really hold on to that book too. And that message. That I was really, I was really hoping that it wasn't like a one and done that you could actually go back to it when you kind of needed some inspiration and just kind of read a few pages or, or something like that. I know his mom keeps the book by her nightstand and in the morning, if she wakes up and she's feeling kind of down, she says she just grabs a book and she just thinks to herself, I need to remember my colors. So it has that rereadability and it's just, it's just been great that way. Yeah, I think Sara mentioned she liked the way that it sort of faded from more colorful to almost no color. I think there are some pages where it's just black and white. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I think you did a really nice job of that. Plus the size of the book makes it easy to read it again and again and again. Oh, well, thank you. We were having fun in a, a meeting last, I think last week, two weeks ago, we're, you know, just kind of prepping for this episode and put, flipping through and just finding all these little things that made us smile with the guys like I was telling them this morning that I want to get a kaleidoscope after seeing this because I remember (laughs) kaleidoscopes being so much fun when I was a kid and oh he's got one (laughs) we always we always we go to shows and we always let the kids uh that these kids nowadays have never seen a kaleidoscope a lot of them so they're so much fun we always have we always have some on the tables and you know, we tell them how to use it, and then they're just like amazed. You know, um, and then we were looking at these guys last week because of Halloween. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, we... it's 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 fun because I I was a I loved being a kid. I was really good at it, <laughs> and I feel sometimes you just grow up too fast. And like the character in the book. <clears throat> You know, he's got responsibilities and commitments and deadlines, but, you know, that's something we all have. There's being an adult, you're always going to have that. It's not really that it's such a bad thing, though. It's the bad thing about it is when you try to impress and uh, try to buy things and then you're you're replacing material things for the things that made you so content and joyful when you were young that didn't cost anything. That's really what the key I was trying to get at that, you know, it's not, a, you know, we're, everybody has to grow up and have responsibility and, and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of the, I, I still find myself thinking that a lot of the, the most joyful things are free. Yeah, I agree with that statement. The characters in the book, a lot of them are holding like a scepter. Is there, or a stick? Is there meaning behind that? Yes. so the scepter is this kind of symbolic um uh in the like it's it's almost like it's a key to a key to the joy part of it and the little girl in the book she has the scepter and it's and it's colored on on the very first page because it kind of gives you a little hint that this girl is special. She's got some type of magic power that uh, you can see at the beginning. And then, you know, further on, she, you're going to find out what it is. Well, the scepter is, is symbolic because it's, it's that, uh, it, it's that, that uh, bridge between make-believe and reality. And that's really what it's supposed to symbolize. Um, when he's uh, his, all the colored characters have him hoisted and they're carrying him to this castle. It's all in his head, make believe that, you know, that's, that's, he's just having such a vivid imagination and he's having the time of his life. And, you know, he has no sense of time. Time doesn't matter. And it doesn't cost him anything. And so uh, later in the book, um, when he finally gets his, when he finally takes a chance and, and he takes a leap of faith, and with that, you know, let's face it, when, when we get used to a certain way of living, even though change is necessary, even if it's positive change, it can still be uncomfortable for us. 
especially when we've been in one way for so long. So that uncomfortableness, he was willing to take that leap of faith, get beyond that real uncomfortable way he's been living the, the last part of his life, and finally let the joy back in. And, and then once he does that and he opens that key, all his colors come back. And so he's his younger self is actually passing the scepter onto the old man and it's turning in it's it's the scepter in the bottom and it's the cane on the top so the boy is his younger self turning it uh sending it back to the old man and that's actually the return of his joy and contentment i love that that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i noticed that scepter before but i didn't notice the it changing until like right before you you described it that's really cool there's a lot of little Easter eggs in the book. Yeah, like the use of color is so symbolic and fun to look at. I really wanted to, I could have colored everything in, but then it really would not be as dramatic to support the narrative. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just wanted to leave it just kind of right in your face that, you know, this is the story, here's the narrative. And I think for the most part, it's been very flattering. A lot of people are are, are coming back and just saying, oh my gosh, I've been so moved by that. Thank you for sharing that story with us. So it's just been very, very flattering. We do have people who ask if it's a coloring book. Um, <laughs> I could see you know, that. And usually our response is, you know, you certainly could color it if you wanted. That wasn't our intention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we get a lot of respond, uh, responses like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Thomas, what's your favorite thing about being a children's author? I think you can just, you can be somebody else. Um, You can kind of recapture that innocence or that kid-like feeling again. Um, It's fun. Um, I I like seeing that the the surprise that the, the granddaughters get out of reading the book and they're reading, they're reading my book and they think it's so cool. And you know, that alone is just, is so flattering and so awesome. Yeah. It's really special. Heck yeah. So there, was there a time in your life where you identified as the one, the gray person who lost oh, yes. all his color? And what was that like for you? Um, you know, it, it revolves around the passing of my little sister and it was really a tough time. She, you know, she was a trooper. She she battled uh, stomach cancer for two years. And she was telling jokes and very cheerful right up to the end. And I just don't know anybody any stronger than her all the way to the end. And <clears throat> things, things kind of, you know, I, I took a different uh, approach on life and things were a bit gray, I could say. Um, I was, I was, I was thankful, you know, that, uh, I had the rest of my family, but at the same time, you know, there was always a, a piece of, a piece of yourself missing now, you know, from now on. And I can, I could definitely identify with the, the man and his whole life being gray. The little girl in the book is a bit of a metaphor that represents uh, his sister, Chrissy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's special. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it's like to rediscover your joy? I'm still rediscovering it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I can't describe it. It's the best thing I can say is it's like the clouds parting on a sunny day, if that makes any sense. Um, it's like coming out of a depression or something, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I'm no stranger to that. Um, what would you say? Rediscovering your joy. The rediscovering our joy when we we take the book to retirement homes and nursing homes and Mm -hmm. we read it to them and we get to hearing the stories and people start talking about what it was like when they grew up and we can just see the joy just start to get rediscovered through the whole group of people we are reading to and it's just so we just feel so blessed that we're able to do that. Yeah, I do have to agree with her on that. You know, when we do take the book and we do to uh, read it to retirement homes and communities, um, the stories that they tell and how how it wakens them up, they just seem so alive wanting to tell these stories. And it's so wonderful. They are so smart. And they you learn, you learn a lot more just from listening to them, you know, they, you come there to talk to them about a story in a book and they got stories in books, you know, that they, they talk about that just are amazing. That's their own real life. Yeah. And uh, they do it with such compassion. And it's just so, it's so nice. There is something very powerful about storytelling. I think that's why some of my favorite comedians are the, the guys who, and gals who tell stories and, you know, tell a funny story, but there's something powerful about that. And you get a little insight into a person's, um, life and their experiences through their stories. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just when you're, you're talking about rediscovering joy, <clears throat> I wasn't feeling unhappy or anything, but just taking that time to sit and reflect on the things that do bring you joy. I mean, once I got started, I mean, it, it made me so happy just thinking about all the things that make me happy. Um, I think that was a really impactful part of this whole uh, journey, reading the book and, and, and preparing to meet you. Um, I really loved that, that part of it. You know, I, I try to, everybody has advice that they'll, they'll tell you for being happy or finding joy, your contentment in that. And I know one thing that kind of resonates with what my dad has always said, and he said, you know, when things are really bad, just remember, they can always be a lot worse. And <laughs> it kind of get, and that's true because everybody's been there. It's gone from bad to worse in a, in a hurry. And all it takes is a phone call or something like that. And then anything else you were worried about before it, not even on your mind. So taking things into perspective on that, I think is, is huge. And, you know, do just a simple daily uh, evaluation of what you're thankful for. Yeah, that's helpful for me. You know, the uh, thought that things could always be worse, that's not a very helpful thought to me because (laughs) I'm going to tell you whatever crisis it is that I'm in at the moment is bad enough. I don't really Uh care if something could get worse. That's not helpful advice. But (laughs) the, uh, the idea of taking the time to sit down and think, okay, what are three things that I'm grateful for? That is the quickest way to pull myself out of a funk because there, and there's always something 
to be grateful for. There is. You're absolutely true. You, you know, you're just not, you're not trying hard enough if you can't think of anything to be grateful for. You've got to get all the stuff out of your head that is occupying it that uh, to let your joy back in. Um, it really starts with inside you because you can never give what you don't have to be, you know, inside you, no mm. matter what. So always be kind to yourself above everything else. I think that's where it has to start um, because you got to wake up with yourself every day and you had to make yourself happy be first before you can make anybody else happy. So that's really what it's about, I think. Yeah, There's that... the quote for next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. There is Woo-hoo! so much truth to that. I, I know there are times when I'm like, I don't know, I've been depressed or whatever, and I'm saying like not so nice things about myself. And my friend Nicole one time said, stop talking about my best friend like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was and like, exactly. Huh. I think it's very true. And I don't know if any of you are religious or not, but I do think there is, you know, the dark side of the forest and the positive side of the forest. And I think, uh, you know, the dark side wants to keep egging you on, you know, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you know, go ahead, have, have another cookie, uh, uh, go fast, go do this. Oh, you can have another drink. Don't worry about it. You know, sleep in, don't get anything done. You deserve it. Treat yourself, you know? And, and, you know, if you stay to the the positive side is, you know, get that garbage out of your head, you know, because uh, being honest and truthful to yourself and, and having respect for yourself first, uh, I think, I think uh, that leaves all that room for the good things in life, happiness and joy and contentment. And, you know, once you get developed more of that mentality where, you wake up and, you know, you're not going to listen to your alternate self, I guess. Just like what we were talking about earlier, focusing on that good stuff grows. And unfortunately, yes. the negative is always so much louder, which is why we need to keep reminding ourselves of it all is. the positive. It's, it is relentless. And that's the problem. It's just a matter of deep breath, realizing, identifying it, I think. And then... We're trying to change it. Realizing that it's your choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wake up. Yeah. And that's just it. You know, as soon as you can, after, you know, so long of living a, a life where it's always constant every day, like that, you get it to, as soon after a while, it gets into habit forming. So even just negative thinking as habit becomes a habit. And, you know, you can look back before all that overwhelmed you and you think, wow, why can't I just go back to that person again? You know? So I think it's a, it's a kind of the pursuit back to joy and uh, making changes to make it happen. Yeah. I could not agree more with that. I know I, um, I last year, like had a depressive episode, mm-hmm. but it was like making small steps towards feeling better is the, really the key to getting out of something like that. You know, you, oh, yes. you, you have to, you have to be proactive about, you know, seeing a therapist or maybe, maybe you need to take meds. Maybe you don't, you know, that's personal choice, 
But as long as you're doing something, writing in a journal about all the things that you're thankful for, you know, you can't just, if you just sit around and let it continue to, it just festers, it continues to fester. It's really a matter of perspective. And I think it's a matter of changing your perspective. Um, And that's not always easy, you know. No, it isn't. It really isn't. And I, 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 you know, I can wake up some days and just be so clear headed and together. It feels like just the cloud is gone <laughs> and be like, oh, my gosh, this is how I remember feeling before, mm-hmm. you know, and you have those brief moments of just total clarity that you reflect. Wow, I have been feeling really bad for a while. I need to change some things, you know. And then, of course, you know, life will sneak in and stress. Of course, everybody has stress and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they start to lose that, that focusness again. You'll have to let us know when your next book is coming out. There'll be two releases next year. One is Franklin the Firefly. And Franklin is born without a glow. Mm-hmm. And through Aww. a series... There's a series of events, you know, he gets picked on and all sorts of good stuff because kids do that. But through a series of events, it actually turns out to be his greatest strength. So Very cool. Yeah, and so it, does this mean in Wisconsin they are fireflies and not lightning bugs? Uh, about half and half. You'll meet <laughs> half and half. Yeah, some people are lightning bugs. Some people are fireflies. I grew up saying lightning bug. But now that I'm older, I hear people say firefly. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like the terminology changed over the years. <laughs> Besides, Franklin the la- lightning bug wouldn't have the same ring to it. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, is that what it's called or was That's that true. for the alliteration of the book? <laughs> That's true. And then the second half of the year uh, is more of it's more in the series of A Time for Color. And that one is called The Yellow Kite. And that one's kind of a tearjerker. Kind of. <laughs> oh, no. We can't, he cannot even read it right now without crying himself. So. But it does have a positive message. Yeah. So it definitely falls in the same line as a, a time for a color. So. Well, we'll have to have you back. Yeah. yeah. You definitely have to read that one. Yeah. Sure. Keep us in the loop. So what brings you joy? Um. Currently, just uh, a lot of writing, a lot of writing, doing illustrating. We're, we're working on a new book, um, being around with my, my family and friends, um, just simple things. I, I, I try to take it in steps, uh, getting up in the morning, that first cup of coffee and just, just feeling that and stepping outside to feel the crispness in the air and, and having that coffee and just kind of taking in the moment. And then you move on to the next moment. What about you, Landa? Um, there's a lot of things that bring me joy. Um, you know, my number one is my, is my family, my grandchildren, my parents, uh, those kind of things. But, you know, just uh, coming home from work every day and, and seeing Tom uh, doing a new illustration for his new book and coming out and being so excited about it and can't wait for me to see it. It's just, it makes me so proud. And, um, 
that he's so excited about writing these books and and sending a message to people. And it's just really been rewarding. So Thomas, when did you decide, so what were you doing before you were, you're a very relatively new author. So what were you uh, doing before you decide to start writing books? Um, we might've said that in intern, I missed it. Exactly what I'm still doing right now. And actually I'm a, a small engine technician. So oh, I work, okay. I work uh, on lawnmowers, uh, snowmobiles, ATVs, anything small engine, chainsaw, stuff like that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you find it difficult to juggle sort of the, the author role and the mechanic role, or is it something that you're having so much fun with? It doesn't seem to matter. Um, it, it doesn't seem to matter. I don't think they're so, they're so vastly different. Um, yeah. it's, it's not, uh, it's not like there's any competition there with one or the other. <laughs> The right. biggest thing is he wishes he had even more time to yeah. write, but you know, you, you have to work too. So. <laughs> right. You know, but it, it's funny because I find a lot of my inspiration for starting the stories uh, when I'm on the treadmill, I'll do the treadmill every morning and then I'll just start coming up with different things and grab, grab the notebook on your, your phone and then just start speaking into it. Even if it's a couple of lines or sentences and you save it, and you got something for later. Somet- sometimes in the middle of the night, yeah. he flips on the light. Mm-hmm. And I, what are you doing? I have an idea. Yeah. So. yeah, once in a while I do that. It's just like you're just about ready to uh, drift off to sleep and you've got, oh my gosh, that's going to be great. You know, I don't know where, but that's a great line. And <laughs> I totally relate to that because we just did stand up comedy where we had to do five minutes on stage and. Uh-huh. I would like middle of the night an idea would come to me. I'm like, I have to write this down because I don't want to lose it. Oh yeah. Those are the best because it's so fresh and it's just like, you know, you're like, I've done it before. Like, Oh, I remember that in the morning. And then the next morning I'm like, Oh gosh, what was Mm -hmm. that? (laughs) I just did that recently because I am convinced that I have a career in stand up. So now I'm just like constantly writing down jokes. But I did that recently and I still have no idea what was so damn funny. I mean, we were all laughing about it. Uh huh. Whatever <laughs> it was. It, it wouldn't be yeah, me. You got to write it down. If I didn't point out that this is a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> of course it is. He does get up in the middle of the night and write an idea down. And then he's at a hotel. The cleaning lady throws it away. <gasps> And later, I think he finds it, but it's crinkled up. He can't read it. And later he's like, he figures out what it is. And he's like, that wasn't funny. <laughs> oh, no. That was a good series. That was so funny. Tracy's always finding a reference to a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> it's very, it was amazing that they could, the development of that series and how each character took on its, and embraced their identity. It was just an amazing series. Yeah, it was good. So what are some challenges that you face writing a book for the first time? And what are some ways that you were able to adapt and overcome? Oh, I would say marketing is a huge challenge. Um, just the saturation of the children's book market or in book market in general. Um, it's tough. You need uh, to try to find an influencer. 
Um, you know, we've sent the book off to Tom Hanks, to Good Morning America, mm -hmm. as much as we can. But, you know, will he ever get it? Maybe. We don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, marketing has been really a tough, challenging part of this whole thing. And it, and yeah, it's it's it, it's been very challenging. We, we, we figured it would maybe go a little more fluent than than what it is, but it's it's very difficult um, unless something were to go viral or something. It's very difficult to even be seen. And, and I, I feel that a lot of writers and illustrators are in that same boat. They I've seen such talented people out there, both authors and illustrators, that it just blow me out of the water and they don't have the ex exposure so it you know without that exposure um you know they're they're going to be still at their regular job and possibly not pursuing what they want to do and it's just all about the exposure you can have the worst book out there <laughs> if you got the exposure you know that's all it is really yeah we just watched Bullet Train last night, and uh -huh. I was not a fan of that movie. But I mean, some of the reviews said not even Brad Pitt can save this movie. But I mean, it still probably made a ton of money because right. they've got the exposure. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's true. And I like Brad Pitt as an actor. I mean, he was a good actor in it. Mm -hmm. I was not a fan of the movie. But mm. you're right. Like, it could be a stinker. And if you got the exposure. Right. We audience. also get so many people who um, they they think they have to have a kid to buy this book. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know any kids, so I'm not going to buy this book. So, you know, we're trying to market it as, you know, this is a, um, a book for grownups as well, if not more than kids. Mm -hmm. So that's been a little bit difficult as well. Yeah, actually, that's funny that you mentioned that because we were thinking the same thing. Um, I, we talked a little bit before the show and thought that it could definitely be geared towards uh, this. Definitely an adult reader would enjoy this book. We all did, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are some concepts in here that um, work well for grownups, I think. Yeah. I had my 15 uh, year old read it. <clears throat> today just to kind of get what he thought and um it was interesting it, it sparked a couple of interesting um chats on the, our way home after he read it um so I was almost surprised that as a kid he enjoyed it the way I did as an adult mm -hmm. I almost because I haven't been looking at this as a kid's book I mean even though it's it's you know it has great illustrations and not a lot of words I didn't feel like it was a kid's book because I was just, I loved the message and it was so relevant to me as an adult. Thank you. It's, we've, we've had a lot of different age groups um, come away with, with, with liking it. Um, our daughter who's in college, she, <clears throat> excuse me, she's 19 and she's been showing her friends around campus and, and spreading it. And they just, even her age group with her friends, they love the book and they can all relate to something in it. And uh, 
it, it makes me feel good that if people can get something out of it. I know it was, it was, it, like I said, it was, it was very therapeutic for me. Um, and I kind of put myself out there with it and in there. And that's what I came up with. <laughs> well, we all appreciate that you did. Yeah. Well, thank you. For sure. So what gets you out of your comfort zone and excited to explore? Uh, probably going to book readings. Um, neither one of us are all that comfortable talking in front of a group. And, um, and, and we've had to do that with this book here. So that's not in our zone at all. Um, but we're doing really well at it. And afterwards, we are very proud of ourselves. Um, with our new book, um, Franklin the Firefly, that's coming up, we're going to be taking that into the school systems. So that's a whole different level of uh, comfort zone we're going to have to learn. So um, that's been uh, quite challenging. Yeah, I have to say it's it's uh, it's kind of spooky getting up in front of a bunch of people, you know, and they're all there because of you. And so it, it can be kind of challenging. And, um, you know, you're just hoping like you don't hear like crickets in the background and, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's definitely, I'm like way out of the comfort zone there. Cause you know, I, I, I'm kind of a homebody. I just kind of prefer the coziness of my house or the library a lot of times and getting up in front of a big group and you got a microphone and you're standing there and, and you want to interact with the audience. It, it, it definitely is. That's, that's out of the comfort zone. So what keeps you going back for more? Sorry, go ahead, TC. I always find it's easier to talk to a group of kids. So it'll be interesting after you go into the school systems, if you think it, that's I, easy. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that will be easier. Yeah, it usually is. They have a whole different type and level of energy. It's usually much easier. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid and the author would come to school and read their book. And that was always, the, I mean, 40 years old. I still remember when the author came to school. So I think that's always special for a kid. No, you probably didn't know how scared they were having to get up there and read it. <laughs> probably not. Probably it's not. It gets you out of class. Yeah, that too. And as a kid, you always like that. Does everybody remember in school? Like, I don't know, either it was a new school or the, the first day and you had to get up in front of class and introduce yourself and Tell us something about yourself and what you did over summer. It's just like, I dreaded that. It's like, okay, so there's 26 people in our class. I got to be like 25. So you've got 24 people to get up there and listen to and wait and torment yourself until they call your name. LC's <laughs> philosophy is just volunteer to go first and get it over with. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just, you know what? The water's cold. Just do just cannonball. Yeah. Sarah has no, a different no. philosophy and it's wait till the very last minute. And maybe they'll run, maybe they'll run out of time. That was always my favorite. You had oh, to do right. a whole presentation yeah, in class and you wait and wait and wait. Oh no. Then there wasn't time for me today. Tomorrow. And then she'll go, okay, that's the bell. Uh we're gonna pick it up with you first thing tomorrow morning. So then oh, that's the worst. Fever. And you get to dread all that all night. Yep. And wake up with uh. a fever. <laughs> as an adult oh, yes. you still have to do that but you do it in meetings and they call it icebreakers 
yeah. And they're still <laughs> terrible. Yeah, boy. <laughs> What's so, one interesting fact about you? Nobody <laughs> cares about me. <laughs> That's not true. Everybody cares about you, Jess. That's right. So it's uncomfortable, but what keeps you guys going back for more? I would say the reviews and the comments that we're getting when people are saying they did not expect this out of this book and they read it and they were moved to tears. Um, just all those responses that keeps us going. It, it mm-hmm. lets us know that we're doing the right thing. I have to agree. Yeah. Well, we want to leave our guests or our listeners. Sorry, folks. <laughs> we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week. Think about what brings you joy and then share it with us and perhaps the rest of the world by posting it on social media and using the hashtag Siren Soapbox. Thomas and Landa, thank you for joining us tonight. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and uh, your new book? Uh, We have a website, gammaburstbooks.com. You can buy our book direct there. And then we are also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, all of the normal places that books are sold. Awesome. Sirens, thank you so much for sharing your joy with us tonight. And thank you, fellow explorer, for listening to this episode. Be sure to hit like and subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And if you would be so kind as to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you would be helping other explorers find the show. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag your latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.